welcome to another episode of the Black Feelings Podcast. I'm Aaliyah. And I'm Monica. Thanks for joining us. Today we have another interview with you, for you guys. We have an interview with the founder of Open Path, Paul Fugelsang. And Monica, that's where you found your therapist, correct? Yeah, that's how I found the therapist I'm working with. I just did a Google search for affordable therapists or um, sliding skill therapists, and I found Open Path Collective. And what Open Path is, it's a non-for-profit network of therapists that offer affordable sliding scale therapy sessions. Um, what I really liked about the directory was that you could kind of filter down by specialty, by the therapist sex and, you know, race, because those things, because I wanted to, you know, find a black female therapist mm-hmm. to work with. And um, you sign, you have like a one-time lifetime membership fee, but just through that fee, you have access to therapists across the country. And it's, um, you, you know, lifetime, so you always be able to go back to this database and look for a new therapist that you need. So I was just really excited for this interview because having my therapist has definitely changed my life. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so great that they offer this service to people. Um, I don't know. I was just really touched by um, some of the things on their site too. So I was, yeah. you know, like I said, really excited to interview Paul. Mm-hmm. I also, I think we've gotten a lot of questions about where we found our therapist. I'm not sure why I didn't go through open path. Maybe it was the membership fee, but I thought the interview was very informative and he was like a really chill guy and like eager to answer our questions. So I hope you enjoy. Well, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Um, as I was kind of mentioning before we started recording, I found my therapist through Open Path. I was having a rough time. I, at the time, had a really intense anxiety attack on the way to work. And I was like, I really just needed to talk to someone. But I mean, you know, therapy is expensive. So just through Google searching, I found open path and we've had a lot of people ask us how we have found therapists and you know things that they could do if they can't find uh, or if they can't afford you know a $300 session so that's why we're really excited and about open path and just want to spread the word so if you could just I guess explain to our listeners what open path collective is Yeah, sure. So we're a a nationwide collective of therapists who have uh, signed on and and, and said that they'd be willing to see one or two or three or even more clients in their caseload for a fee that ranges between $30 and $60 per session. So we have um, 7,000 therapists around the country who are offering their services. And uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we connected our our 25,000th client. Wow, that is a lot of people. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. That's impressive. And um, how long ago did was the organization started? So I started uh, working on it in 2012, and then we launched officially in April of 2013. So we're about six and a half years in right now. Oh, okay, that's awesome. So I'm sure you'll just continue to grow and keep helping more people. I think so. Yeah. You know, we, we had a, a struggle in the beginning where we had plenty of therapists and it was hard for us to find clients. And now, um, you know, I think 
somewhat thankfully that's kind of flipped around. And right now we have a lot of, um, a lot of therapists, but we have a lot of clients, uh, coming to us every day. So we're, we're scrambling to make sure we have enough therapists to meet the need right now. Okay. And how do you guys go about finding therapists? Well, uh, it started uh, by word of mouth and us just reaching out to therapists that we knew or that we wanted to know in cities where we were sort of targeting. In the beginning, we were targeting sort of smaller, progressive, therapy-positive places. And then um, as, as word of mouth spread, it got larger and larger. And um, now we're in a place where, um, uh, where we're advertising and looking for therapists on Facebook and, and trade magazines and things like that. Okay. Um, question about, I guess, what would you consider a, a therapy positive city? I was based in New York, but I've recently moved to Portland and I've definitely noticed more people talk about therapy here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I'm from New York and it, it, it sort of feels like New York was the place, uh, at least in this country where therapy found its, uh, its first footing. Um, uh, but I think it's safe to say that, you know, most cities in this country tend to be more progressive places. And I think it's safe to say that progressive places, people are more interested in, in working on themselves and working on uh, being members of their communities. Uh, so I would say that most cities in this country are, are, are definitely therapy positive. And then there are smaller cities um, uh, you know, that tend to be college towns, places like Ann Arbor or Asheville, North Carolina, where we're based, or Austin, Texas, uh, that also feel like um, uh, people are really into therapy and, and, and have really seen the benefits that it can provide. Okay. Um, so what, I guess, what inspired you to start Open Path? Because your, your background, your, I guess you were a therapist prior to starting the organization, correct? Yeah, that's right. And, and I still see clients now. Um, I, I was, uh, it, you know, started a private practice and, and built it up and, um, felt like it was my ethical obligation to see a few clients at a lower fee. And, uh, and that felt right to me. And, and then what started happening was, um, after those slots were filled, my phone would ring and someone would be looking for a lower fee, uh, session. And I didn't have any room to, to fit them in, in my caseload and there was nowhere to refer them. Um, and so I had to take guesses at, at who in my community would see people uh, for those rates, and it was often hit or miss. So I started thinking, you know, that with the, uh, um, you know, I think the website or the internet is is still pretty brand new, even though it kind of feels old hat to us now. We're kind of in its its early days, I would imagine, and um, it just seemed like, oh, there's an opportunity here. Like, why isn't there a website that's directing people to affordable care? So I started spinning my wheels and it made more and more sense. And luckily enough, uh, uh, therapists agreed that it was valuable. Awesome. Why would you say that therapy is important? That's a, that's a, a, a good question. And there's just so many ways to answer that. Um, mm -hmm. I think that uh, that someone who I respect in the field once said that there's um, that we often we're often in two modes, and it's uh, it sort of depends on where we are in life, what mode we fall into. But the two modes she listed are survival and growth. And um, I think just because you've been in a survival phase and moved into growth phase, it doesn't mean that you might not end up in a survival phase later down the road. I think that's just the way it works. 
So I think that we're when we're in a survival phase, therapy can be so immensely helpful in just helping us get our feet on the ground and helping us get reconnected to our breath and those things that sort of um, inspire resilience in us uh, and and remind us that uh, that we're here and that we're capable and that it is incredibly uh, powerful to be seen by another person, um, both the things that we're really proud of, but also our struggles. Uh, that just having somebody see and reflect those things back to us can be amazingly powerful towards helping us get our feet on the ground and, and sort of move through a difficult time in life. Um, so that's the survival side. And I, I think for the growth side, you know, so many of us are so disconnected from each other in this culture, as, as I think we know. It's, it's sort of a, a great affliction, I think, in America is this real sense of, of being disconnected. And, um, and I think that also what goes along with that is that so many of us are disconnected from our own inner experience. We have sort of this vast, rich inner life. And, um, and oftentimes, you know, I think that can feel really overwhelming. And we don't live in a culture that supports us getting to know who we are. So we all engage in these activities, which sort of um, uh, mute um, uh, that relationship with our inner experience. And it's, it's my thought that in therapy, uh, through being with someone who can help us navigate our internal landscape and really get to know ourselves, especially those, those darker corners that we might try to stay really far away from, um, that being with someone who can help us do that, we come more in contact with ourselves, we come more in contact with our hearts. And then I think as a result, it's much easier for us to be in relationship with other people in a way that feels positive. Absolutely. That was a great answer. I know. I'm like, I love that so much. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I think, so I've been in therapy for about a year and I will say that the past year has just been complete survival mode. And uh -huh. maybe I feel like the switch is getting towards more growth and it's a little scary and I've been wanting to actually like stop or at least slow down because I'm just like, all right, I don't need this to necessarily survive anymore. But what you said definitely gave me a good perspective. You're like, no, I still need, you know, there's still room for growth and, you know, would definitely help in so many sections of life. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And, and I think that something that makes our journey a lot tougher in this culture in particular is that we're so hyper-focused on change and we're so hyper-focused on becoming someone else other than who we are. And I think it's a real setup for suffering because we're always measuring ourselves against this bar that doesn't really exist. Um, so as a result, we lose this great opportunity to really befriend who we are in the moment. Uh, uh, cracks and blemishes and everything. And, um, and I think that oftentimes, whether we're in survival or growth, it's such a valuable skill to be able to be with who we are in the moment. And it is immensely difficult in a culture that doesn't support that. Wow. That's really powerful. And I totally agree as far, you know, that part about our society, not really supporting that. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't really thought about it like that. Yeah. I think our society, you know, especially these days, like it's, we're really big into self-care and really big into this idea of taking care of ourselves. And I think that's okay to an extent. Um, mm -hmm. but I think there's still this massive current saying, Hey, you're at point A, but you really should be at point B. And until you get to point B, you're never going to be happy. So we do all this work to try to get to this imaginary point B. And then of course, once we get there, the, the, the yardstick has moved forward again and we're still not where we're supposed to be. So we kind of spend our lives trying to get to this imaginary place. And, 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 you know, I think it's, 
it sort of leads to a lot of frustration and, um, and it's hard to have hope in those moments uh, versus the alternative of really learning to be with ourselves in the present, which is really the only thing we ever have. Wow. I, I was going to say that's something I definitely struggle with. Like you're saying most people are at point A and they're like, if you're until you're at point B, you're not really doing much. But I feel like me, I'm always like, I'm at point A, but I need to be at point C and D. Right. And I'm not like allowing myself to go through the actual process of getting to where I need to be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And point C and D are just, are just make-believe, right? There's no such thing. Like all, we're only yeah. at point A. Right. Yeah, it's kind of a setup, I think, for, for frustration. I think a lot of anxiety and, and, and depression are, are really born from that. Agreed. Monica, you're still muted. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying things are starting to make sense. Just um, Okay, so, well, aside from financial reasons, what do you think are some of the things that prevent people from going to therapy? Well, I think that, uh, you know, obviously there is still a stigma uh, about going to therapy, which is sort of, it, it feels a little bit, um, a little bit from an older age, you know, from, from maybe our parents' generation. But I think that still carries over that, you know, if we go to therapy, it means that we can't hack life or that we need additional support. And, uh, and what I always say is, what's, what's wrong with needing additional support? right? It's like life is really hard and it is really hard getting through life. This is a journey that we're all on and it feels like we need to be helping each other out as much as possible and also asking for support. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to sound like a broken record or be too complaining about our culture, but you know, we do live in this like highly individualistic culture and this, this whole thing about, you know, doing it on our own and, 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 and making our way. And, um, and for me, that's a bunch of, I think that's just a bunch of macho stuff that isn't really helping anyone. Um, so I think that, uh, I think that asking for help is, is hugely important. And, um, uh, but we're so taught not to do that in this culture. And then, um, so that's, that's number one, I would say. And then another thing, and it's probably many, but I think another obstacle is that, uh, it's kind of scary to know yourself or to know your inner landscape. Um, like I was saying earlier, I, I think that, you know, one thing that therapy can help us do is get in touch with those places where we have a lot of strength and where we have a lot of beauty and we've cut ourselves off from that. And I think that's really, really important. Um, but I think what has to go with that is that we have to move into this place in order to find that strength and beauty. We have to move into this place where we have a lot of dark corners and where we have a lot of old pain that we spent a lot of years kind of sealing ourselves off from. And that can be tremendously scary uh, and tremendously overwhelming. Um, so I respect the fact that uh, 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 that people can be hesitant about getting in there and actually um, opening themselves up to knowing themselves more because it's difficult work. It's not easy. However, you know, it's my belief, of course, that if we do that work, then we can really get in touch with so much beauty that we might otherwise miss out on. So do you think, I guess, the way for people to overcome that fear is to kind of just dive into it? It's like you will see the benefits in the end? Yeah, well, you know, I think a good therapist will help people um, dip their toe in the water so that it doesn't become too overwhelming. Um, because I think we all do carry a certain amount of pain on the inside. And, um, and I think sometimes, you know, 
diving into that pool of pain can be really, really, really helpful, but it might also be too much. And someone might find themselves doing two or three sessions and realizing that it's a little, that's a little beyond them or beyond what they're ready for in the moment. So I think a good therapist will help their, their client, you know, learn how to dip their toe in the water and then put an ankle and then ease themselves in so that it's not too much. That was beautiful. What do you think there is the biggest or most common misception about therapy or something that you would like to debunk about therapy? Phew, that's a good question. Uh, I'm not sure about that because I'm not too sure what, uh, it, you know, I think everyone has their own opinions about what therapy is. Um, so gosh, I'm coming up, I'm coming up blank on that one. Okay. I have something that may be able to guide you. Would you have a different piece of advice for different people and their lives? Like for instance, I feel people about my age may be more open to it, even though they're still skeptical because of older people are like our parents. Yeah. So would you have different advice for like a younger person that's still on their self-discovery journey as opposed to, let's say, an older person that may have trauma that they should look into, but they're like, oh, we don't need to do that. Right, right. Cause it's, yeah, because it's too much. Well, let me ask you, what do you think are some of the common misconceptions about therapy? I think you said it before. I think it's very much an ego thing like, Oh, I could do I could do it on my own. Like I don't need to ask for help. Or I think the biggest one is if I go to a therapist, that means there's something wrong with me and I'm crazy. And I don't want to admit to myself that I'm crazy, so I'm not even gonna think about it. Right. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. That makes yeah. sense. And it's and it's funny too, because like who amongst us isn't crazy? Right. You know, who amongst us has this all figured out? And I don't think anyone does. Uh right. I once read this, I once read this quote, which stuck with me in a book, this guy who said that, um, that no one is either crazy or sane, that, that we're all constantly making decisions, which lead us in the direction of either sanity or confusion. And I love that. Yeah, that, that made good sense to me, but I think you're right. I think people think like, oh, if I go there, I'm admitting that I'm crazy when it's like, mm -hmm. no, no, not, not at all. Like we're all struggling and we're all working really hard to get through this. Yeah. Yeah. I find that even now, like, I'm only, like, willing to say that I go to therapy to people that I know are open to it. Mm -hmm. But when I mention to certain people, like, I'm going to therapy, they're like, but why? You have your life together. Like, there's nothing wrong with you. Right. But, like, they'll say there's more things wrong with yourself. So it's like, if you're in therapy and you're fine, then I definitely need to be there. But then it becomes, like, a weird conversation, like, okay, so are you saying there's something bad with me, wrong, like? That's right, yeah. And, I, you know, I think that um, I think that social media, of course, is a big culprit in this because all we're ever seeing is people's, you know, really carefully curated uh, pictures and images of how wonderful their lives are. Or right. um, uh, So we're always comparing ourselves to somebody else. And I think it's really easy to get really lonely and isolated in this culture and feel like we're the only ones struggling with something when I think the reality is that every single one of us is, is, is working hard on whatever it is we're working hard on. That was great. So I guess to top on top of that, like what's one piece of advice you would give somebody that is looking for a therapist? Like, what should they look out for? What questions should they ask? Yeah, that's a that's another good question. I think that um, I think that's something that we're not really encouraged to do in this culture is to um, is to pay attention to our own inner guidance. 
you know, it's my belief that we all have this place inside, which is just filled with wisdom and filled with deep knowing. And, um, unfortunately many of us are, are very, very cut off from that place. And we haven't spent time cultivating a relationship with that place, but I think it's right there. It's right. It's just waiting for us to, uh, to knock on the door. And, um, and I think when it comes to finding a therapist, it's a great opportunity to get in touch with that, that place of wisdom, um, uh, in the sense that, uh, you know, if you're scrolling through, you know, mostly it's done online now looking at people's profiles and you can see what the person looks like and you can see how they present themselves and what their specialties are. And I think that if we take the time to get quiet, which is hard to do on the internet, of course, but if we take the time to move slowly and get quiet, we can really, um, uh, uh, listen to our responses to the people that we're seeing and, um, and get a lot of information from those responses. Uh, so rather than it being like, Oh, I should see this person or I should see that person based on their qualifications or the quality of their profile photo or, you know, how attractive or unattractive they are to me. I think there's like a deeper level that we can access and just listen and see how we really feel. Um, whether we feel really attracted to this person in a way like, Oh yeah, this is someone who I think I could work with or, 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 or oftentimes if we listen, we might get the, the big no about working with a specific person. Um, Sometimes, of course, we don't get that information until we're sitting in session with somebody. And I think it's really important to be able to listen in also. And it's okay to go to someone and decide like, oh, this isn't really the person for me. Um, and there doesn't have to be a good reason for that. It can just be an intuitive feeling. And I mean, I think it's like dating in a certain way, right? When you're, when you go out with someone, oftentimes you'll realize in the middle of a meal, whether or not this is someone who you want to spend more time with or, or who it isn't. And, you know, if we don't listen to that, that intuitive voice, then we're going to probably go on a lot of bad dates. Um, so I think that, uh, I think that's a big part of it. So um, just a question off of that. If you decide that your therapist isn't for you, is that I'm assuming that's, you know, something that's common and but you don't want to just ghost them like you may do somebody on a date. You just say, hey, shoot, shoot an email like, hey, this isn't working for me. Uh, thanks for, you know, your services. I don't know. I guess I've, that's kind of like crossed my mind in the past. Like, oh, if I wanted to stop seeing my therapist, what do I say? Do I just fall off the face of the earth? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's probably best not to ghost our dates either. <laughs> I mean, you're right. You're very right. <laughs> <laughs> text or an email saying, "Hey, I don't think this is the right fit." Um, but, but yeah, I, I think that. Um, uh, uh, I think oftentimes because most of us are pretty good natured and because we're, we want to take care of others. We think that we can't be honest with a therapist about how we're feeling or about it not being the right fit. And, uh, and most therapists are really trained for that. I have been ghosted so many times. Um, I think I'm a pretty good therapist and it's also, it's not always the right fit. And I think it's important for um, people to be able to say, Hey, this isn't, this isn't for me. Um, and it's one of the reasons why when we created open path, you know, oftentimes, uh, uh, people, um, that may not be able to afford, um, high prices in psychotherapy, they end up working with someone who they don't really like because they feel like it's all they can afford or it's the only one who's going to give them, you know, a, a rate that they can, um, they can manage. And with open path, we make it really clear that it's a lifetime membership and that you are welcome to change therapists, uh, uh however much you like. I would say that, you know, that sometimes people will start therapy and they might get a really strong no right away. And it's important to listen to that. 
or they might get a, I'm not sure. And I think it's important to listen to that too. And if it's a good therapist that they're working with, um, they can bring that to the therapist and the therapist should be trained in, in helping them discern whether or not it is a relationship that will be helpful for them or not. Yeah. Okay. And, um, I don't, you know, I think we did, I think we missed, um, the process for clients to join open path. Mm -hmm. So I guess, how do you, you people looking for help? How do they go about signing up? And you mentioned there's a lifetime fee. Yeah. So we tried to make it a, a really simple process online. Our, our, our website is openpathcollective.org. Um, and when you go there, you can uh, type in your zip code or your town name, and then a, a, a list of therapists will come up who are accepting new clients. And most of our therapists, almost all of them see people in person, but we also have a lot of therapists who do online therapy with people. Um, so you find a therapist that you want to work with, and then you click on a button that says, choose this therapist. And then it will take you to a registration page uh, where you fill out all the, all the usual detail. And we ask for some financial information as well, just because we want to make sure that the people who are using our service really need it. Um, and then there's a one-time fee of $59. So once the fee is paid, then we send an email connecting the therapist and the client and then turn it over to them. And then Open Path is never privy to any of the details that happen between therapist and the client. Once that connection is made, we sort of move out of the picture. Okay, cool. I'm, um, again, so excited that we were able to talk to you today. I hope that people that are listening are able to use this information. I think it's such a great resource because, um, I mean, it's such a good deal versus paying $300 for a session if you can't afford it, something that's, you know, within most people's budget. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate those words. And I'm also thankful that, that y'all are helping get the word out about what we're doing because, you know, we're a nonprofit organization and we don't have millions of dollars at our disposal to, you know, advertise on subways and billboards. So it really is a grassroots effort. So we're very grateful that, that y'all are helping us out with that. Okay, that's awesome. Well, uh, we'll definitely share the Open Path Collective information on our um, Instagram and make sure that the information is clear for people once this episode goes live. Okay, wonderful. All right, thank you so much for your okay. time. So nice talking to y'all. All right, have a good day. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview with us and Paul Fugelsing, the founder and executive director of Open Path Collective. I thought it was very informative. Um, if you guys have any questions, concerns, or comments, you could email us at blackfeelingspodcast at gmail.com. And that's B-O-K-F-L-N-G-S podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in.